Chapter Five of Betty Wales Freshman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Betty Wales Freshman by Margaret Ward. Chapter Five, Uphill and Down. The next day was just the sort that everybody had been hoping for on Mountain Day, crisp and clear and cool, with the inspiriting tang in the air, the delicious warmth in the sunshine and the soft haze over the hills that belonged to nothing but a New England October at its best. The Chapin House breakfast-table was unusually lively, for each girl wanted to tell what she thought about the reception, and how she was going to spend Mountain Day, and nobody seemed anxious to listen to anybody's else story. "'Shh! Shh!' demanded Mary Brooks, at last. "'Now, children, you've talked long enough run and get your lunch boxes and begin making your sandwiches mrs chapin wants us to finish by ten o'clock ten o'clock repeated katherine well i should hope so our horse is ordered for nine going to be gone all day inquired mary sweetly of course answered katherine with dignity well don't kill the poor beast called mary as she ran upstairs for her box Mary was going off in a barge with the sophomore decorating committee, who wanted a good chance to congratulate and condole with one another over their Herculean labors, an ultimate triumph of the day before. The rich sisters had decided to spend the holiday with an aunt who lived twenty miles down the river. Eleanor had promised early in the fall to go out with a party of horseback riders, and Helen, whose pocketbook had been prematurely flattened to buy her tea-kettle, had decided to accept the invitation of a girl in her geometry division to join an economical walking party. This left Rachel, Catherine, Roberta, and Betty, who had hired a horse and two-seated trap for the day, invited Alice Waite, Betty's little friend from the Hilton house, to join them, and were going to drive over the notch. "'I haven't the least idea what a notch is like,' said Catherine. "'We don't have such things where I come from, but it sounds interesting.' doesn't it assented rachel absently counting the ham sandwiches do you suppose the hills are very steep betty oh i guess not anyhow katherine and i told the man we were going there and wanted a sure-footed horse who's going to drive asked roberta why you of course said katherine quickly you said you were used to driving oh yes i am conceded roberta hastily and wondered if she would better tell them any more. It was true that she was used to horses, but she had never conquered her fear of them, and they always found her out. It was a standing joke in the Lewis family that the steadiest horse put on airs and pranced for Roberta. Even old Tom, that her little cousins drove out alone, Roberta blushed as she remembered her experience with old Tom. But if the girls were depending on her, Betty drives too, she said aloud, she and I can take turns. Are you sure we have enough ginger snaps? Everybody laughed, for Roberta's fondness for ginger snaps had become proverbial. Half a box apiece, said Rachel, and it is understood that you are to have all you want, even if the rest of us don't get any. When the horse arrived, Roberta's last fear vanished. He was meekness personified. His head drooped sadly, and his eyes were half shut. His fuzzy nose and large feet bespoke docile endurance while the heavy trap to which he was harnessed would certainly discourage all latent tendencies to undue speed. Alice Waite, 
Rachel and Catherine climbed in behind. Betty and Roberta took the front seat, and they started at a jog-trot down Meriden Place. "'Shall we go through Main Street?' asked Roberta. "'He might be afraid of the electric cars.' "'Afraid of nothing,' said Betty decidedly. "'Besides, Alice wants to stop at the grocery.' The beastie, as Catherine called him, stood like a statue before Mr. Phelps' grocery, and never so much as moved an eyelash, when three trolley-cars dashed by him in quick succession. "'What did you get?' asked Catherine, when Alice came out laden with bundles. "'Olives. Good. We forgot those. And bananas. The very thing. We have grapes. And wafers and ginger-snaps.' Everybody laughed riotously. "'What's the matter now?' inquired Alice, looking a little offended. Rachel explained. "'Well, if you have enough for the lunch,' said Alice, "'let's keep these out to eat when we feel hungry.' And the box was accordingly stuffed between Betty and Roberta for safekeeping. Down on the meadow road it was very warm. By the time they reached the ferry, the beastie's thick coat was dripping wet, and he breathed hard. "'Been driving pretty fast, hain't you?' asked the ferryman, patting the horse's hairy nose. "'I should think not,' said Catherine indignantly. "'Why, he walked most of the way.' "'Well, remember that there trap's very heavy,' said the ferryman solemnly, and he shoved off. Beyond the river the hills began. The beastie trailed slowly up them. Several times Roberta pulled him out to the side of the road to let more ambitious animals pass him. "'Do you suppose he's really tired?' she whispered to Betty as they approached a particularly steep pitch. He might back down. Girls, said Betty hastily, I'm sick of sitting still, so I'm going to walk up this next hill. Any of you want to come? Relieved of his four passengers, the horse still hung his head and lifted each clumsy foot with an effort. Oh, Roberta, there's a watering trough up here, called Betty from the top of the hill. I'm sure that'll revive him. By their united efforts they got the beastie up to the trough, which was most inconveniently located on a steep bank beside the road, and while Betty and Alice kept the back wheels of the trap level, Catherine unfastened the check-rein. To her horror, as the check dropped, the bits came out of the horse's mouth. "'How funny!' said Alice. "'Just like everything up here. Did you ever see a harness like that, Betty?' Betty left her post at the hind wheel and came around to investigate. "'Why, he has two bits,' she said. "'Of course he couldn't go, poor creature. And see how thirsty he is.' "'Well, he's drunk enough now,' said Roberta. "'And you'll have to put the extra bits in again. "'That is, if you can. He'd trail his nose on the ground if he wasn't checked.' The beastie stood submissively, while the bits were replaced, and the check fastened. Then he chewed a handful of clover with avidity, and went on again as dejectedly as ever, Presently they reached a long, level stretch of road and stopped in the shade of a big pine tree for a consultation. "'Do you suppose this is the top?' asked Rachel. Just then a merry tally-ho party of freshmen, tooting horns and singing, drew up beside them. "'Is this the top of the notch?' asked Betty, waving her hand to some girls she knew. "'No, it's three miles further on,' they called back. "'Hurrah for nineteen o' blank!' "'Well,' said Betty, who felt in no mood for cheering, Let's go back to that pretty grove two hills down and tie this apology for a horse to the fence and spend the rest of the day there, suggested Catherine. 
Everybody agreed to this, and Roberta backed her steed round with a flourish. "'Now let's each have a ginger snap before we start down,' she said. So the box was opened and passed. Roberta gathered the reins in one hand, clucked to the horse, and put her ginger snap into her mouth for the first bite. But she never got it, for without the slightest provocation the beastie gave a sudden spring forward, flopped his long tail over the reins, and started at a gallop down the road. Betty clung to the dashboard with one hand and tried to pluck off the obstructing tail with the other. Roberta, with the ginger snap still in her mouth, tugged desperately at the lines, and the back seat yelled, Whoa! lustily, until Betty, having rearranged the tail and regained her seat, advised them to help pull instead. They had long since left the little grove behind, had dashed past half a dozen carriages, and were down on the level road near the ferry when the beastie stopped as suddenly as he had started. Roberta deliberately removed the ginger snap from her mouth, handed the reins to Betty to avoid further interruption, and began to eat, while the rest of the party indulged in unseemly laughter at her expense. "'We've found out what the extra bit was for,' said Rachel, when the mirth had subsided. "'And we can advise the livery man that it doesn't work. But what are we going to do now?' "'Murder the livery man,' suggested Catherine. "'But the horse is sure-footed. He didn't lie.' objected alice so seriously that everybody burst out laughing again he told the truth but not the whole truth said rachel next time we'll ask how many bits the horse has to wear and how it takes to hills now what can we do we can't go back to the woods that's sure said katherine and it's too hot to stay down here let's go home and get rid of this sure-footed incubus then we can decide what to do next the ferryman greeted them cheerfully back so soon he said had your dinner of course not replied katherine severely it's only twelve o'clock we're just out for a morning drive do you remember saying that this horse was tired well he brought us down the hills at about a mile a minute is that so declared the ferryman with a chuckle scared were you why didn't you get them young winsted fellers that just started up to rescue yer might have been quite a story we didn't need rescuing thank you said katherine did you see any men she whispered to betty betty nodded four driving a span they were awfully amused miss king was in another of the carriages she added sadly then she caught sight of roberta and began to laugh again you were so funny with that cookie in your mouth she said were you dreadfully frightened now said roberta with a guilty blush i always expect something to happen horses are such uncertain creatures they drove back through the meadows at a moderate pace deposited the horse and a certified opinion of him with an apologetic liveryman and carried their lunch down to paradise for it's as pretty as any place and near and we're all hungry alice said Paradise was deserted, for the girls had preferred to range further afield on Mountain Day. So the five freshmen chose two boats, rowed upstream without misadventure, spread out their luncheon on a grassy knoll, and ate, talked, and read till dinner-time. As they crossed the campus, they met parties of dusty, disheveled pedestrians laden with purple asters and autumn branches. A barge stopped at the gateway to deposit the campus contingent of the sophomore decorating committee and in front of the various dwelling-houses, empty buckboards, surreys, and express wagons, waiting to be called for, showed that the holiday was over. 
"'I don't think our first mountain day has been so bad after all, in spite of that dreadful horse,' said Rachel. "'So much pleasant variety about it,' added Catherine. "'Let's not tell about the runaway,' said Alice, who hated to be teased. "'But Miss King saw us,' expostulated Betty. "'And you can't trust Mary Brooks to know all about it.' When Mary, who was late in dressing, entered the dining-room, she gave a theatrical cry of joy. "'I'm so glad you're all safe,' she said. "'And how about that cookie, Roberta?' "'I'm sorry, but it's gone.' "'They're all gone,' said Roberta coolly. "'Now you might as well tell us how you knew.' "'Knew?' repeated Mary scornfully. "'The whole college knows by this time. "'We were lunching on the notch road, near the top, "'when four Winstead men came up and asked if they might join us. "'They knew most of us, so we said yes, if they'd brought any candy. "'And they told us a strange story about five girls, "'very young girls, they said.' interpolated Mary emphatically, that they'd seen dashing down the notch. One was trying to eat a cookie, and another was pulling the horse's tail, and the rest were screaming at the top of their lungs, so naturally the horse was frightened to death. Pretty soon three carriage loads of juniors came along, and they confirmed the awful news and gave us the names of the victims, and you can imagine how I felt. The men want to meet you, but I told them they couldn't, because of course you'd be drowned in the river. "'I hope you'll relieve their minds the next time they come to see you,' said Catherine. "'Are they the youths who monopolize our piazza every Wednesday and Saturday afternoon? Two of them help occasionally.' Catherine winked meaningly at the rest of the Mountain Day party. "'We'll be there,' she said, "'though it goes against my conscience to receive calls from such untruthful young gentlemen.' The next Saturday afternoon Betty and Catherine established themselves ostentatiously on the front piazza to await the arrival of Mary's callers. Rachel had gone to play basketball, and Roberta had refused to conspire against Mary's peace of mind, particularly since the plot might involve having to talk to a man. Promptly at three o'clock two gentlemen arrived. "'Miss Brooks is that sorry, but she had to go out,' announced the maid, in tones plainly audible to the two eavesdroppers. "'Would you please come back at four? Catherine and Betty exchanged disappointed glances. "'Checked again. She's too much for us,' murmured Catherine. "'Shall we wait?' "'And is Miss Wales in? Miss Betty Wales?' pursued the spokesman, after a slight pause. The maid looked severely at the occupants of the piazza. "'Yes, sir. You can see that yourself,' she said, and abruptly withdrew. The man laughed and came quickly toward Betty, who had risen to meet him. "'I'm John Parsons,' he said. "'I roomed with your brother at Andover. "'He told me you were here, and asked me to call. "'Didn't he write to you, too? "'Miss Brooks promised to present me. "'But as she isn't in—' "'Oh, yes, Will wrote, and I'm very glad to meet you, Mr. Parsons,' "'Betty broke in. "'Only I didn't know you were—I mean, "'I didn't know that Miss Brooks's caller was you. "'Miss Kittredge, Mr. Parsons, wasn't your friend going to wait?' "'Bob?' called Mr. Parsons after the retreating figure of his companion. "'Come back and hear about the runaway. You're wanted.' It was fully half-past four, when Messrs. Parsons and Hughes, remembering that they had another engagement, left their escorts by request at the gymnasium, and returned from a pleasant walk through Paradise and the campus to Meriden Place, where a rather frigid reception awaited them. Betty and Catherine, having watched the finish of the basketball game, followed them and spent the time before dinner in painting a poster 
which they hung conspicuously on Mary's door. On it a green dragon, recently adopted as freshman-class animal, charged the sophomore's purple cow and waved a long and very curly tail in triumph. Underneath was written in large letters, Quit! Who is going to the Kappa dance at Winstead? I'm dreadfully afraid Mother won't let me go, said Betty, as they hammered in the pins with Helen's paperweight. And anyhow, it's not for three whole weeks. When the drawing was securely fastened, Betty surveyed it doubtfully. I wonder if we'd better take it down, she said at last. I don't believe it's very dignified. I'm afraid I oughtn't to have asked Mr. Parsons to call his friend back, but I did so want to meet both of them and crow over Mary, and it was they who suggested the walk. Catherine, do you mind if we take this down? Why, no, if you don't want to leave it, said Catherine, looking puzzled. I'm afraid Mr. Hughes didn't have a very good time. Men aren't my long suit, but otherwise I think we did this up brown. Just then Eleanor came up, and Catherine gave her an enthusiastic account of the afternoon's adventure. Betty was silent. Presently she asked, "'Girls, what is a back-row reputation?' "'I don't know. Why?' asked Eleanor. "'Well, you know, I stopped at the college, Catherine, to get my history paper back. Miss Ellis looked hard at me when I went in and stammered out what I wanted. She hunted up the paper and gave it to me, and then she said, "'With which division do you recite, Miss Wales?' I told her at ten, and she looked at me hard again, and said, "'You have been present in class twelve minutes, and I've never noticed you. Don't acquire a back-row reputation, Miss Wales. Good day. And I can tell you I backed out in a hurry.' "'I suppose she means that we sit on the back rows when we don't know the lesson,' said Helen, who had joined the group. "'I see,' said Betty. "'And do you suppose the faculty notice such things as that, and comment on them to one another?' "'Of course,' said Eleanor wisely. "'They size us up right off. "'So does our class and the upper-class girls.' "'Gracious!' said Betty. "'I wish I hadn't promised to go to a spread on the campus tonight. "'I wish. "'What a nuisance so many reputations are!' And she crumpled the purple cow and the green dragon into a shapeless wad and threw it at Rachel, who was coming upstairs swinging her gym-shoes by their strings. End of chapter 5